Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Death Race 2000 and Rollerball. Back when we thought that death game shows on TV would actually involve costumes and teams and things. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It's a lot, Doug. We decided our future. Be five episodes, and then I let Noah pick them all. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> I told you guys about the part where I have to take a leave of absence, right? <laughs> Doctor, Doctor Strange, then Hard uh, Ticket to Hawaii and Malibu Express, and then the next three episodes are all Rawhead Rex. You have to watch it twice each time. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I wish you were kidding. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rawhead Rex podcast, where we watch Rawhead Rex twice every week. Review it. I've never seen it, so I'm sure it would be um, probably not fun from the sound of it. I love the concept of watching it twice every week. <laughs> You're not going to remember what happened if you watch it on Tuesday. you got to watch it again Wednesday night. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to find. Oh, there it is. There was like a really interesting piece of trivia for Rollerball, so I want to make sure I had it pulled up. Should probably start looking at IMDb. Yeah, that's what uh, some of us already do. I usually have IMDb open and the Wikipedia page for the movie open, and then I don't refer to them at all. And then, like, I'm trying to think of the name of an actor, and it never occurs to me to, like, click over to the other tab on my internet browser. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see if you can get the actors in Rollerball correct. Why don't you tell us what Rollerball is all about, Doug? I can get James Conn correct, and that is it. Uh, okay, so, I mean, plot-wise, you want me to tell you what Rollerball's about? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a thin plot, but yeah. Yeah, Rollerball's, a, it's about this, uh, the plot is just there's a, a star athlete in this new sport called Rollerball, and the higher, uh, higher beings decide that he needs the to retire. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get into it, but you asked me for a plot description. Oh, so okay, gotcha. they, they decide to that he should retire, and he does not want to. And uh, they try to pressure him to retire, and he fights back. That is all. That is the entire plot <laughs> of the movie. Uh, what the movie is really about is the universe it's set in, which is sort of a dystopian future, 
Uh, so, you guys, <laughs> I mean, you, this is a pretty far-fetched movie, but it takes place in like 2018. Yeah. And the world is really controlled entirely by corporations. Um, yeah, pure science fiction. Yeah. And what, what these corporations do is basically they give you a lot of what you need to make your life pretty good, but at the same time, you don't really have much room to like improve yourself, and you pretty much just have to do what you're told all the time. So I don't know if you guys can imagine a world of 2018 like that. Or if you have to like look out the window to find one first and then try imagining it. I mean, what's even more unrealistic than that is the idea of these uh, reality spectacle events that keep people distracted from the fact that their lives suck. That completely would never happen. It's, it does seem really far-fetched, but it is science fiction, so there is that. Uh it is fucking eerie how accurate the world they create is. Yeah. Especially especially from a movie from 1975. It is like it is Cuz it's you know like sometimes when you're watching like a science fiction movie and you're like, "Oh, like their communicators look a lot like modern cell phones. That's weird." And you're trying to and you're like, "Oh, this is the world looks a lot like the world." <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's literally to the point where in this movie like books have been abolished and so if you want information you go into like an online system and tell them what you're looking for and you get like a brief summary of it but it's been edited by somebody you don't know who so you don't necessarily get all of the information and it guides your worldview by not providing you with everything you wanted like yeah. you would have gotten if you read the actual book and it's like oh Nothing like that would ever happen except for every time everybody logs on to the internet. I say, is is that what it says on the Wikipedia page for the movie? Uh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> not exactly. It's the worst that can just be freely edited and uh, not give an accurate description of anything? Yeah. Well, no, but, and I think that's, uh, I'll defend Wikipedia now, because somehow it's not freely edited, it's edited by some unknown source. Which is worse because clearly it's done to guide your worldview, which is how, again, most of the internet works is that you, it's not open source, it's somebody telling you what to think, but you don't know who they are or what their agenda is. God damn this movie. It was creepy watching this movie and just realizing how accurate they got it. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, the idea that the, the world is going to be. Uh, basically controlled by this shadowy group of CEO type characters that, that you know they exist but you never actually really know who they are yeah. even though they're running your entire fucking life you know? yeah and it's, it's like, oh shit. And it's that it's that weird thing where it's like they don't officially have any control, but when they run the biggest corporations, they just kind of inherently have assumed control. And so you, you can't really argue, it's hard to argue against them or protest them. It, again, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go look out your window at the world around you. That's what this movie is, except people still dress like it's the 70s in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Even that, I'm like, when you walk around, I'm like, I see people in plaid shirts and stuff all the time. And I'm like, people kind of dress like the 70s. It's just a different part of the 70s now. <laughs> this movie was a little off on which 70s fashions would survive. 
<laughs> That's yeah, the, the big flaw in the filmmaking. The gigantic uh, collars and the yeah, somewhat like bell bottomy type pants. This is like disco era seventies is what they think would survive, not the sort of early seventies stuff. I've always noticed too, and, and not just this movie, although this movie's a really, really good example, but man, nineteen seventies sci-fi movies are so on fucking point. Like they just they cut so fucking deep. And now that we're and I'm sure back then everybody was like, these are fucking ridiculous. And now you watch them and you're like, Jesus Christ, these writers were amazing. They really fucking kind of unfolded everything down the line and sure they it's an exaggerated version but pretty accurate yeah yeah i know yeah like for just to clarify in the movie like the corporations have literally taken over the world nations don't exist at all anymore okay well that's we're not there yet but i mean it's it is an exaggerated thing it but they reference the corporate wars a lot yeah And it's is the it's the classic thing where the the corporations control the information, so nobody can find out information about the corporate wars because you don't want to know what they did, right? And it's just it just feels so much like today's world in that sense. Yeah, and on top of all the creepy dystopian future predicting voodoo that happens in this movie, uh, the sport they invent is fucking dope. I would watch this shit on a rollerball. I don't. I don't know if I'd want it to be a murder, murder sport. You know where people are getting killed. But damn it, it's awesome. It it is pretty fucking cool. I mean, in the real yeah. world, the sport. I mean, it's hard to imagine a sport where. So, for people who haven't seen the movie, it's like a, a track that's kind of angled, so you can see like a, a racetrack would be, mm-hmm. and you can so you can go skating around really fast. Each team has like ten guys on the court at any given time skating in circles except it's seven guys roller skating and three guys are on motorcycles the motorcycles have little hooks behind them so you can just grab on at any given time marty mcfly style and just get dragged by a motorcycle and the whole thing is basically just by any means necessary get this silver ball into a hole Mm. like and it is just yeah, it's sort of like roller derby mixed with like lacrosse or something. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, with as a, a with a ten pound steel ball that shot yes. out of a cannon at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you gotta like grab well, you. You have you have read the original rules to lacrosse. So. <laughs> what are the original? But rules yeah, and it is. I don't know. I just assume it involved a cannon. Oh. But I can't make that up with facts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it was invented by you know Native Americans who did not have access to cannons. So that's probably completely inaccurate. Before we start getting all the crazy emails from all the big lacrosse fans that listen to this podcast, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's mainly roller derby with the scoring element with the steel ball and a essentially a giant funnel. Yeah, and it, there's definitely so the the director happens to be Norman Jewison, who's Canadian, I believe. And there's some real social commentary here about hockey, because mm-hmm. if you notice, the sport is three twenty minute periods, which is I don't think a coincidence. And yeah. if you know anything about Until where, the last game. yeah, but if you know anything about where hockey was in the seventies, I mean, 
it was known as this ridiculously over-the-top violent sport, the way rollerball is. And it was fraught with like unnecessary violence, just like people just hurting each other because they could, not because it was part of the play kind of thing. <laughs> and so I think they were the, the director was obviously adding that in to whatever extent. Hmm. Definitely maybe he watched like a Flyers game and then wrote the script or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, in this world, James Kahn then is like the I don't know to put it I guess in modern terms, the like the LeBron James of rollerball. Uh, I hear he's popular. I don't I don't really know what the fuck he does, but um, he, he is the Wayne Gretzky to use the most modern of references. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so he's like the best, and of course the corporation, which uh, what is it? Is it like an energy corp or something? Yeah, I think it's an energy. I think it's the energy corporation is yeah. the idea. Um, so they essentially own him to the point that, like, he had a wife, and apparently one of the corporate guys wanted his wife, so he was forced to give her up because. He's pretty much owned by the corporation. Yeah, they do, they do point out that he was so in, in uh, entrenched in the game personally that she was kind of ready to leave anyway. But just the idea of like a corporate guy is like, ah, I want his wife, and then then it just happens. Yeah, so fucked up. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and the whole like the whole thing is the the what they're trying to get across is that the corporations just control every aspect of every person's life. Yeah. And it is sort of like when they come to him, they come to him and they say, like, we think it's time for you to resign from the game. They're not asking him if he wants to quit. They're letting him know that it's time and that all hell's going to break loose. And you can you get the impression that nobody ever really pushes back. Right. Like the corporations are allowed to tell everyone what to do. Mm -hmm. And if they don't listen normally that there would just be immediate consequences, but because this guy is so popular, it's not like they can just knock him off a, like can't, he can't just get in a car accident one day and die, you know, which is what might happen to somebody else that just didn't do what they were told. Yeah. Yeah. So they set up like this big TV special celebrating his career. And that's where he's supposed to announce that he's going to uh, retire, but he really just does not want to whatsoever. And things start to mount up, and he becomes very suspicious of sort of what their, um, sort of what their what their goals are. I'm trying to getting trying to get him to retire and stuff. Yeah, and that's that's how we get. I mean, I'm assuming some people haven't seen this movie because it is from the '70s. Mm-hmm. Like how we get our view of the world, how we learn all those different things that we talked about, is through him, kind of. Like we learn that you can't get access to books because he goes and tries to read up on things to try to understand what's being done to him, and that they're not available, kind of thing. We, that's how we learn hmm. about the world is through following him as he tries to understand what's going on around him. Yeah. Um. So, Doug, the first time watch for you? Yeah, it was actually. So, what did you think of Rollerball? Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I was again fully creeped out watching it thinking how accurate the world like j- just watching it happen and go oh, yeah that's that's right now yeah that's that's happening right now 
yeah, literally is like, happening right now in the, it, in the movie. Yeah, and it's like I can't. It was weird. Um, but that having been said, I, I, the world they set up was pretty cool. It's a 1970s science fiction world, so some of the stuff that they think is high tech is not that high tech. <laughs> like, like one of the big things that I think they're trying to show off in this movie is like flat screen TVs, and it's clearly just TVs with like the wall built to make it look like they're flat screen but it's like they think that's great technology and i'm watching it on a tv that's thinner than the ones in the movie <laughs> so stuff like that's a little bit funny and dated but that's i mean that's what happens when you watch movies yeah. in the 70s. So, and then, because it's 70s science fiction i would also warn the audience that if you're going into this do not expect to be happy in the movie no 70s no, science no. fiction is no. nihilistic as shit yeah yeah um, so then the other element to this movie is of course the rollerball and there are three games of rollerball in this movie one played under traditional rules one played under like more lenient rules which are designed to ensure that more people get hurt and the third one is just a hardcore match no rules whatsoever um, to the point where I don't even think it technically makes any sense it's not, it's not just designed for people to get hurt, it's designed for everyone to get hurt. Yes, and it's designed to encourage. How do you put it? Like, like when when uh, sports leagues are issuing disciplinary action, they'll also often make reference to like a hockey play or a football play, right? So mm -hmm. if you're throwing a body check in hockey and somebody gets hurt, you won't necessarily get suspended for that because you were just throwing a normal body check. But if you're swinging your stick at his head, that's not a hockey play. In football, you know, if you're tackling a guy and he gets hurt, no problem. If you're shooting for his knee on purpose, that's considered outside the boundaries of what's normal, or you know what I mean? Or if you're doing, you know, and, and every sport has their own sort of set of rules and then people do things that are outside of that and that's what they get in trouble for. So what they're doing when they're removing rules from this game is encouraging more of that just unnecessary violence, more of that stuff that would normally be considered outside the boundaries of good taste. And so by the end of this movie, you have guys, like, at one point, there's two guys holding a guy down, his helmet is ripped off, and somebody punches him square in the back of the head, wearing these, like, studded metal gloves, and you're like, as the crowd's cheering, you're watching it going, that was just murdering a guy. That wasn't a game anymore. But conceptually, in this universe, people are so caught up in it that as long as it happens on the court, they just go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the first time watch for me, too. I was actually kind of hoping for more rollerball, but um, I think by the end, I was kind of happy. Happy with it. I maybe could have seen like one more rollerball match but i'd have been fine with it yeah i think uh i guess the idea of just showing like three different versions of it probably helps highlight sort of what they were talking about yeah um but yeah it was good i'm, I'm always a big fan of sort of uh i don't know if you call this like a political thriller but just sort of that behind the scenes like what's going on this you know this corporations running everything uh, just sort of that intrigue and stuff like that, and I feel like I pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's not a necessarily like a great thinking movie. It's more of just a almost like a cautionary tale. Like 
don't go down this path, society. Please don't do this. And we did not listen, apparently. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I, like for me, I, going in, I guess I knew, I, I knew the name Norman Jewison, and to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen any of his other movies. I'd have to check, uh, which I'm not going to do. But, you know, he's associated with more higher end films, I think. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe his name just sounds higher end, and I assumed it was. Um, but uh, he so directed I, uh, "In the Heat of the Night," uh, "Moonstruck," okay, "Fiddler on the Roof." Fiddler on the Roof. You know, is that a big fan favorite of your guys's too, or no? no? I've never seen. I've never seen any of the movies. In the Heat of the Night, I've seen the TV show. Um, um and, but again, there's a, a whole TV show and movie based on just discussing racial bias and stuff like that so you know this is definitely a guy that was going to have those elements woven into his storytelling it wasn't just going to be a sports movie and i think they did the balance pretty well mm-hmm. the movie he did right before rollerball was uh jesus christ superstar oh okay nice. and is there any political commentary in that or oh it's pretty thick <laughs> i've never actually seen it you've never <laughs> seen it They've, oh. they've literally got the Roman soldiers dressed like uh, it's it's kind of hard to describe homosexual Nazi Americans uh, in the army. If that makes sense, like they're wearing like American army helmets. I feel I feel like you're talking about the next movie already. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah. So I I, I don't know. Where I was, where we were at with that, but I, uh, I expected there to be social commentary and stuff built in. It was there. It wasn't so thick that I don't think you can you can just sit back and enjoy the violence in the movie if that's your thing as well. It's nice. Thought it was well executed. The the sort of practical effects and the the old '70s style filmmaking of watching these guys on roller skates kick each other in the face and thinking, I probably just had a stunt guy kick another stunt guy in the face to film that. That's probably what they did there. <laughs> Yeah. I, I do enjoy I I enjoy the weird because there's an odd message is probably the wrong thing to call it. There's an odd bit of philosophy or politics at the end of the movie where the big unveil of basically why they're trying to force him out of the game is that the game was designed so that no one could ever get good at it. That was the entire idea. It was so that eventually you would get your leg broken after five matches and be gone. And the fact that he ended up being good at it was their problem. And that since he was defying them, it could inspire other people to defy them. But in defying them, he basically is a knuckle-dragging caveman murderer at the end of the movie. Yeah. So his, his sweet release of freedom is kind of just to become a piece of shit. Which, so what the fuck's the point? Like, your big escape from the corporation is to be a murderous douche. So, what the fuck did you accomplish, you know? <laughs> See, I think that's that's where the, the fun element of this universe is, though, is that, okay, everyone's life is actually pretty good in this corporate-controlled world. And, like you say, in order to 
in order to defy the corporations and not be the guy that does everything he's told to do and not be the, the kind of drone human being who can't think for himself, his only other option is to just flat out murder a bunch of other people who are just trying to play a sport, right? And, you know, it, it goes again, it goes beyond a, a rollerball play and it turns into just bashing guys to death that for no reason on the court. And in, I think in that final game, there's like literally two survivors out of the 20 people that started the game um so the the question i think the filmmaker is trying to ask here is like well well what's better like what's what what or what is your other option or maybe we should think of a third option besides murdering people and doing whatever the corporations say because you want the freedom to think for yourself but hopefully that doesn't force you into this corner where the only version of thinking for yourself is becoming horrible. And that's, again, that's that's part of the, the nihilism of this movie and this universe is that there's no answer to that. You know what I mean? Like, there is no, I mean, currently there's a, a scandal going on with Facebook selling people's data to, for illicit purposes, and you're like, well, fine, then I'm going to get off Facebook, and then people are going to be like, yeah, but you remember all your friends who you only talk to through Facebook? You won't get to talk to them anymore. You're like, well, sh- shit. Like, there is there is no win situation. <laughs> it's like, do I, do I never talk to all those people? Like, it's like, which, which one do you do? Nobody knows, and nobody has the answer, and I don't think the movie necessarily is giving you one either, right? It's just, it's just like, look at this shitty situation. Doesn't that, doesn't that kind of suck? Yeah, I'm curious. I would be curious what the story would be after the movie ends. Like, well, what does he do now? I, like it's, he gets I've a trophy because they were second in the championship game. <laughs> I was going to say, I've always interpreted it as there is only one thing. He won't stop playing because he believes that the, because he's good at this game, it's his lot in life to play the game and, and fuck all until he dies playing the game. Which means they're just going to keep throwing more and more teams at him with less and less rules until he dies. But they already have zero rules. Like, it's like the, the final matches, there yeah. are no substitutions allowed. There's no time limit. Which, by the way, there's no time limit. I don't know if, how that game ends then. They never established well, that. That's the thing. It, it doesn't until everybody's down. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like the question is at the end there when the other team is completely disabled and he's the only remaining member of his team, what happens next? In theory, he just keeps skating in circles and every once in a while a ball comes out and he could pretty easily score and that'd be it, just for eternity. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Because it is interesting, they sort of end the movie too with him becoming even more popular than what he was before. Yeah, like the crowd is like chanting his name and stuff, and you see the corporate guy just looking super pissed off. Yeah, and conceptually, the idea here is that he's providing hope to those people, and that now, because he's beat them, because he's stayed in the game when they wanted him to retire, he's providing that much more hope to the world. But what are people going to do with that hope? Well, Again, like, are they going to are they going to murder the head of the Energy Corp and then no longer have energy? Once once again, they said the entire the entire idea of the game was to sublimate people by showing that individual effort was pointless. The only thing that mattered was if your team won or not. Mm-hmm. And since he won by himself, it's the opposite. So now he's inspired people to 
go for individualism and be out for themselves. Causing amazing knuckle drag barbarians. <laughs> yeah, so all those people are going to go like murder their competition now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think the movie has like the world, the universe that's set up and the conflict that's set up between him and these big corporations. There's no way out of it. There is no good answer, and I think that's part of the fun of '70s filmmaking. You know, by the '80s, they needed to find a way to slap a happy ending on the things, even if they were just kind of hiding that happy ending in there. But it's a uh, this movie just sets up a world where it's like, okay, great, everyone has a little more hope now, but there's nothing you can do with it. Yeah. Has anybody seen the remake? No, but I imagine it's probably hot garbage. I watched it once, and I, all I can remember is I think it had Jason Statham in it. <laughs> but that's I, I don't... Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'd be curious, maybe even curious enough that I'll watch it, but don't quote me on that, that to wonder if, like, does it find a way to have a happy ending? Do they go a step further and, I don't know, take down the corporations somehow? Uh, I do not see uh, Jason Statham in the castles, which is terrifying to think about him on roller skates. Who was it? Andrew Bernarski. Uh, Leatherface from the first Texas Chainsaw remake. Yeah, like I said, I can't, I can't fucking remember. That's, it was, I, I might have shut it off ten minutes into it. Hmm. I've always been, I've been a big, pretty, pretty big rollerball fan for a long time. Uh, did anybody else recognize the uh, head of Energy Corp? The old bald, bald guy. No. Um, <clears throat> to me, growing up, he was the grandfather on Silver Spoons. Okay. Um, <laughs> probably what you would recognize him from is he's the old guy telling the ghost story at the beginning of the Fog. All right. Oh, probably, there we go. I would probably be thinking of him more as the. Silver Spoons guy, just to clarify. I did not recognize him from okay. the role, though. <laughs> yeah, he's the stodgy grandfather on Silver Spoons. Um, apparently was also the uh, driving instructor on uh, the first Naked Gun movie. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that role that is, because I haven't seen the Naked Gun in forever, but... I like how you can quote Silver Spoons off the top of your head, but, oh, I haven't seen The Naked Gun in a long time. Don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't watch that. Dude, I used to watch the shit out of Silver Spoons back in the day. So did I. I understand. So much so I wanted a train that went through my living room. I thought that would be awesome. Yeah. I still think that would be awesome. <laughs> It'd have to be a little bigger now. Um. So one interesting piece of trivia... Uh, so the game sequences were filmed in the Olympic Basketball Arena in Munich, okay. uh, West West Germany at the time. Yeah. Uh, and citizens were invited to the filming to serve as spectators so they could fill the arena up. Um, and of course, the director, as we've sort of talked about, intended the movie to sort of be anti-violence, like 
as the violence ratchets up, it's sort of like, isn't this ridiculous? How people like get sucked into this violence and it's used as a distraction from the corporations. Um, but apparently the audiences love the action of the game so much that there was actually talk about forming rollerball leagues in the wake <laughs> of the movie. And he was absolutely horrified by this notion. <laughs> He's like, that is not even close to what I intended whatsoever. It's pretty clear that's not what he intended. It kind of doesn't surprise me, though, because I have no faith in humanity. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Like, can you imagine this happening in real life? Like, yeah, we're just gonna have this game where like two, three people a game die. <laughs> well, but it's like a global league. I would hope they would go with the first version of Rollerball, not the last version, but. Yeah, where only two or three people a game die. In the last version, it's like 19 (laughs) of 20 people on the field die. Well, and I do believe uh, whenever he's talking to the TV producer guys, the weird shadowy guy in the booth who starts talking Mm. about game statistics, I think he says the most amount of players that died in a game was nine (laughs) for this point. (laughs) That's that's before the sudden rule changes designed to make it more violent. Although I think they said that's always been part of the game, too, that those rule changes were a constant thing, that at the beginning of every game, it's always rule changes. Well, I think, yeah, I think conceptually it was the corporations can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's the idea. Like, corporations come in and say the rules have changed to this, they've changed. Yeah. So when are we going to start on Rollerball League? Uh, I will totally be the towel boy. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So I think a uh, big recommend from all of us. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, if you really want to be creeped out and uh, about how uh, how close to reality this the background of this movie is, feel free. It's upsetting to watch a movie that's about a dystopian future and it's just about your day-to-day life but there's yeah. a ball in it yeah um i'm like laughing but it's not funny it's <laughs> genuinely <laughs> concerning to me um but it's a really well-made movie and the rollerball sequences are fantastic so if you're like i mean people who are listening to this podcast are probably fans of uh exploitation violence and it's on full display here. It's mm-hmm. like it really looks like people are getting hurt. I assume people really did get hurt to film this stuff because I don't know how you fake a guy in roller skates drop kicking a guy off a motorcycle without somebody <laughs> getting hurt. <laughs> Seems like at least one of those guys yeah. has to get hurt. Yeah, you can see lots of people get kicked in the face with roller skates. People get pulled off of motorcycles while they're going, you know, I guess what you would call full speed for the game. People getting punched with uh, <laughs> gloves with uh, metal studs on them. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, the movie delivered what I was originally hoping for, which was just good old-fashioned violence. Yeah, it's got a lot and of it, that. It did. It, 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 it effectively made me sad again. <laughs> What's that? Well. All right. Okay. 
<laughs> we all talked over each other, and nobody knows what happened there. Well, I was no. letting—I was going to let Doug finish. He—he—he he, he said something about uh, I wanted some old-fashioned violence, and I said by the end of the movie, they make you ashamed for wanting. <laughs> That's true. At least I wanted fake violence. <laughs> this this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted at all. Uh, uh, all right, Noah. Why don't you tell us about um, Death Race Two Thousand? Okay. Which, weirdly enough, came out the very same year as Rollerball, which of I just did. realized. Of course, it did. It has a slightly different tone than Rollerball. Yes. I noticed. We'll get into uh, the details. Death Race Two Thousand is Roger Corman's uh, absurdist view of a future super sport which is basically the transcontinental race which is not so much of a race as a murder driving game and grand theft auto <laughs> where you get points for running people down along the way uh it is entirely <laughs> filled with a cast of reality tv-esque characters uh crossed with sociopaths so basically just reality TV characters. I was going to say, like, 80s WWF wrestler stereotypes. Sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. She's a cowgirl and also a sports car racer. Yeah, and slowly as the movie goes forward, it's basically, this movie just reams everyone a new asshole. It pretty much... <laughs> It it does not it does not highly view a single person in society. <laughs> like... The, the racers are all bloodthirsty maniacs. The president of the United States is a reality host. Uh, what? Fucking... That's, that, that would never happen. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, yeah, but I feel so fucking vindicated in this movie, rewatching it now, because for years and years and years, I've kind of championed this movie. I fucking love this movie, and people have been like, I don't get how you watch it. It's so fucking realistic. You know, so unrealistic. That nothing in that movie could be feasibly, remotely possible, and I and now I'm like, ah, Trump. <laughs> yeah, but this is totally different because the um, the reality show president in the movie spends all his time away from the Capitol in like his own private castle somewhere off beaten path. So it's totally different, right? Yeah, it's, it's totally different. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's so, so sad. So, so as the movie rolls forward, we're introduced to some extra things. Uh, we find out that uh, Frankenstein, the two-time champion who's been doing this forever, is probably not even Frankenstein to begin with, but some replacement that they've done several times. Uh, there is a group of freedom fighters who are completely fucking inept. <laughs> Hey, they make a bomb out of a doll. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, basically, by the end of the movie, they manage to make you hate and feel sorry for pretty much everyone in the film. Yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, except I didn't have strong emotions like that because I was just having too much fun watching these cars <laughs> drive it around. 
and that ridiculous like it's because this movie is made in the 70s like filmmaking techniques were relatively advanced they're still using like silent era techniques for making everything look like it's going faster than it is yeah yeah shoot it at half speed and then play it at full speed to make it look faster and then there's so much ridiculousness like at one point it, where where I decided to just settle in and enjoy myself with this movie is at the beginning. It's literally the movie starts at the beginning of the race. There's no lead up to it whatsoever. They're introducing the characters and they're the, like getting their wrestling music played and they come down the, to the start line and then everyone's cheering and booing for them. And Sylvester Stallone's character, Machine Gun Joe, just stands up with a Tommy gun and starts like spraying it into the crowd at the supporters of the other drivers. And they're just like, alright, I'm just gonna sit down here. Like, for some reason, he's wearing, like, this really gangster suit, and it's just like, you know what, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy myself with this one, because I think this movie's gonna get ridiculous. And I was not disappointed. No, you were not wrong. Because the movie doesn't even try to make any sense. Like, it doesn't really explain what the points mean you get points if you run over people depending on like their ages and stuff but it doesn't actually explain what those points do and any like they help you in the race but how no one knows <laughs> uh, you yeah i have the most points yeah I, how yeah, many points I mean, do you get for actually getting somewhere first <laughs> But by the end of the movie, like, the points are meaningless. Yeah, everything's meaningless by the end of the movie. <laughs> once, uh, once again, it's absurdist. That's the entire point. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and it, like, everything I'm saying is a compliment, not a criticism. This movie knows exactly what it's doing. It's having, it's a big cheeseball corn fest. It's really fun to watch. It is kind of uh, like a one-note joke where it's just, like, these idiots driving around in these cars and things blowing up and stuff, but the movie's like, what, just, just over an hour long? So it's like, it's perfect because it doesn't ever get old. None of the stuff you're watching ever gets old. And then the middle, like, they just have a random scene where everybody stops to get a massage, like, the entire cast gets a massage. <laughs> and of course, all the lady drivers are naked. All the lady drivers are, are naked. Like, it's, it's just because it's the 70s, man. We gotta have this scene. And, you know, in the interest of fairness, all the guys are being massaged by, like, attractive women. All the girls are being massaged by wannabe Arnold Schwarzeneggers. <laughs> like, it is just, it is just this, like, grotesquely obscene scene that is just like, oh my god, look what they're doing. Like, it's, it's a car racing movie and every character in it is naked at the same time somehow. And if you do want to dig a little deeper into this ridiculous pile of just crazy things happening... There's actually some, like, scathing political commentary if you pay attention. Is there, though? Oh, there's there's a few. Like, if you... I think you have to watch it multiple times to, like, Maybe. actually... Because you're so distracted by all the fucking weirdness going on. But there is, there is a line at the end of this movie where he announces that the leader of the rebels is going to be his new minister of defense. And she says, we're ushering in a new age of happiness. And those of you who are not going to fall in line with the new happiness will be dealt with. Which, that's yeah. fucking amazing. Like, that's a really good thing. You know, it's, it's that whole, that there are no revolutionaries. It's just new oppressors taking over. 
Yeah. I guess that's there. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit but more. But on the other hand, we have the we have the president standing there giving like awards to the winners and all of a sudden Frankenstein turns and just drives his car right through the stand <laughs> at that ridiculously high speed. Well, listen, we all know if you run over the president and kill him, you become the president. That is that is pretty much the rule. We shouldn't yeah. say that in today's day and age. We'll end up getting sued after somebody tries to run over the president. <laughs> somebody will try true. to run over the president, we they'll should, get shot. We should most certainly not on this podcast okay. say something like, if you run over the president, you will become president. <laughs> that is something we should not repeat several times. <laughs> There's Probably a not. lot of there's a lot of ways this could go wrong because one somebody could try get shot by the secret service then sue us for having the nerve to suggest it to them and we would somehow end up owing that person money, or the wrong person could be listening and that could become the rules and I don't want that I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> just, just a but bunch again. of idiot senators listening to us right now going yeah yeah let's change it to that. Let's change, yeah. change it to those rules and the next president ends up being like. Jesse Ventura in a diesel truck. <laughs> I would probably be fine with Jesse Ventura as a president. Only uh, the Macho Man was still alive. Oh, ironically, died died with a car crash. So there you yeah. go. He'd right. be the Secretary of Elbow Drops. It'd be great. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did we mention that the main driver is David Carradine of Congress? Yeah. Uh, piece of trivia. Apparently, this is his first role after Kung Fu, because he uh, apparently quit Kung Fu. From yeah, what it and, sounds then, like. and then immediately realized that when you quit your job, you don't get a paycheck anymore. Well, he also thought that this was the complete antithesis of how he was portrayed in that show, so he didn't want to be typecast. So oh, okay, he's like, if I just play some something else completely opposite, maybe that'll. Uh, help a little bit, and he says, "You know what? It kickstarted my movie career, so he wasn't complaining." So, if we're going to talk about Frankenstein for a bit, there's an important question: How many times do you think George Lucas saw this movie? <laughs> because, in case people haven't watched the movie yet and don't plan to, Frankenstein is Darth Vader, but this movie is two years older than Star Wars. <laughs> it is literally a guy walking around. You can see he's wearing all black with a full cape and a helmet that looks way too much like Darth Vader's to be a coincidence. <laughs> and he is literally when they start describing what he is, he's a guy that's been through a whole bunch of shit and they've had to like replace his body parts with robotic parts and all this shit. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I'm checking the year going, Nope, they didn't rip off the other movie. <laughs> so apparently one of the greatest villains of all time coincidentally also a character from Roger Corman movie about a car race it's fucking weird right maybe George Lucas uh, needs to write a little check out to Mr. Corman it, it seems that way <laughs> can, you argue, like, can you argue can you argue that you know what I didn't really think about it you saying it makes me go holy shit it was right there in front of me the whole time yeah it's even to the point of he has one hand that is like supposed to be the most fucked up part of his body and he keeps a black glove on that at all times and like that's what Darth Vader's kid does when his hand is cut off 
my God. <laughs> I just blew this wide open. <laughs> it's, it blows my fucking mind. I'm just like, how... He looks like... Look at a picture of Frankenstein in this movie, and then look at a picture of Darth Vader, and just tell me that one isn't inspired by the other, and one came first. So, I don't know. I just... Now that you bring that up, now I have to decide what's more disturbing. The idea that Frankenstein might have been the inspiration for uh, Darth Vader, or the fact that there is a scene in this movie where they try to sell the audience David Carradine as a sex symbol. Yeah, it is upsetting when he takes off the whole outfit and he's just... He spends an odd amount of this movie in just, like, black underwear, black leather underwear at that... Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a thing. That's and a it's, thing. I don't understand. He's, he's wearing black leather underwear and the one black leather glove for uh, what uh, three times in this movie he ends up wearing that. <laughs> and that's a couple too many. I don't understand why it happens at all. And I don't know about you guys' opinion of David Carradine, but David Carradine looks like a shorter, less intimidating Vigo. <laughs> Fair enough. That is something that we didn't bring up with the last movie or with this movie. Like when you see what professional athletes from the seventies look like in film compared to if you were hiring a bunch of guys to play pro athletes in a movie today, what they would <laughs> Oh Jesus. Like these people are not in what you would call good shape by today's standards. And that that, that was that was very true in rollerball as well. And also, none of them wax their chests, which, according to movies, like everybody who takes their shirt off at any point in time will have a, a fully waxed body. Hmm. Man, Doug has blown this movie completely open for both of us. Noah. So, who's who's everybody's favorite ridiculous driver character? Uh, Matilda the Hun was pretty awesome. Is she the Nazi? Yeah, she's the yeah the Nazi. See, um, I want I wanted her to be my favorite. Yeah. Nobody scores my driver <laughs> or my navigator. <sighs> See, I don't. I think my favorite is probably going to be Machine Gun Joe, just because I liked how angry he was all the time <laughs> for no reason, well, and. It, it, there's one scene where he's been given faulty information by the navigator for Frankenstein to try to trick him into going down like a uh, dead end road and the scene where he's trying to decide whether to turn down that road or not is probably my favorite part of this movie it is just him talking to himself going I'd be an idiot if I went that way but if they're not trying to trick me I'd be an idiot if I went the other way and he's like really angry and yelling at no one <laughs> while he's supposed to be driving a race car. <laughs> and I enjoyed that quite a bit, so I think that, that's enough to make him my favorite. Bless you, Noah. I'm dying. So who, is your, who is your favorite? Allergy season has awoken. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the other chick's name? Calamity Jane, is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a big fan of her, just because I like the look of the car. <laughs> yeah, we should discuss the cars. Um, 
And then I'll pretend that Noah didn't pick Calamity Jane because she wears the lowest cut top. Yes, she does. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, curious trivia fact: When this movie was over, those cars were sold to uh, like car shows and museums and stuff, and they made money off of them. <laughs> they <laughs> sold awesome. them for more than the cost of the car and the quote fingers improvements to the car. Well, they are pretty unique. And they were all running because some of this movie was filmed on real streets without permits because it was the 70s. <laughs> so, I mean, they had to have at least operated enough that they could move around. And with those giant stabby mechanisms that they all have built into the front of them, you'd think that'd be difficult to pull off. <laughs> you got Frankenstein car is awesome. The monster. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's totally bad. All the cars are great. I mean, the one with the swastikas on it, less less fun to drive around in public in. But <laughs> like Frankenstein's car is fantastic, and Machine Gun Joe's has like I think it has the biggest spikes. I I love the I love these cars. I I would want one of these. <laughs> was this was this also a first time watch for you guys? Have you guys never seen Jeff Race? I saw it the first time a couple years ago. Okay, so it was yeah, fun to revisit. This this was a first time watch for me as well. It's one of the ones that I've actually had on my list of things I'd like to watch, but it never occurred to me to actually try and find it. Like, well, I could look for it, but nah. Well, there's good news because if you really enjoy it, there is Death Race 2045, which is Roger Corman returning. And it's basically this movie made again with better cameras. You saying 2045 or 2050? Oh, sorry, 2050. How dare you? I've actually seen it. But I would I would argue a lot of people fucking hated it. I don't get why. I mean, it's, it is this movie with better cameras. Like, that's it. Yeah, the racing never stopped. There's a new Frankenstein racing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but he didn't, uh, you know, a lot of the times in sequels, they always do the bigger, better, badder bullshit. Oh, yeah. And, and Corman just went, no, we're fucking making death race. Oh, Corman, I'm sure, was like, we're not hiring someone to write a new script. We already made the movie once. Just just, just film this again. What's the, oh, help, help me out, Brian. Do you know what the, the, the new Frankenstein's name is? Uh, in real life? Yeah. Because um, he's in a shit ton of stuff. I don't know his, like, I don't remember his uh, real name, but I know him as uh, Deathstroke from the Arrow TV show. Yes. Oh, Manu, Manu Bennett. Yeah, Manu Bennett. Thank you. Yes. Manu Bennett is Frankenstein, and I fucking love that guy, so that was a plus. Yeah. Yeah, he's good in it. But it's just it's just as absurd, and if you don't like this, you're going to hate it. And if you really like this and you hate it, then you're a strange fucking person. And uh, Malcolm McDowell plays the chairman in, yeah, the, yeah. in that one, which is the stand-in for the president. Malcolm McDowell just will do 
a yep. bunch of horror films for $12 now. I believe he is straight up said he decides on what movies he's going to make uh, depending on where they're shooting and if he's ever been to that part of the world before. Oh, I, I can't hold that against him. <laughs> The fact that he's a really, really good actor just like makes it, fucking, makes it so much fucking him, him popping up in these shit movies to deliver like three lines of a really solid dialogue for no reason and then vanishing. Well, you know. Have you guys seen the remake or the multiple sequels of the remake? I uh, have not. I also have not. It's, uh... It's okay. It doesn't have the, uh... The... I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking. It's not bad enough. <laughs> bad enough? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't... There's something so awesome about the fact that they made no attempt at any type of realism in this movie. Like, the cars, while they look really cool, it looks like foam pieces slapped on a fucking car and spray-painted it. Sure. Which is what it should have fucking been. But the remake, you know, of course, they're all, like, super metal-looking cars. But, okay, so in this movie, there's a scene where they're trying to... they're Because the resistance or whatever is going to kill off some of the drivers just to get them out of the way, just so at the end we can only have two drivers racing towards the finish line. And they build, like, a giant fake bridge and put up a detour sign, which is... It's absolutely hilarious that these racers are following detour signs. But the fake bridge is just a cardboard bridge painted to look like bricks. And this driver drives right under it and goes off a cliff because they've, they've rerouted the road so that that's what'll happen. Now, I have no idea in watching this movie whether the joke is that that driver is so stupid they think that looks real, or if the joke is that this movie is so bad that they think the audience is going to think that looks real. I don't care, because it's so fun to watch. But I don't know the point of that scene. Like I, I don't get what they're trying to accomplish there. And that's just what this movie is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Seems like if they were trying to get rid of uh, racers, they would just let them drive over the bridge. And since it's cardboard, they would just fall and die. I guess. I will say the the remake did have a really good cast. Yeah. Yeah, I know Statham was in it. And I know Danny Trejo was in some of the sequels. Yeah, the sequels. But Jason Statham, Joan Allen, Tyrese Gibson. uh, They actually did bring back David Carradine for a moment as Frankenstein. It's got Ian McShane in it. Hmm. Yeah, it might be worth watching at some point. Um, and it's got Robert Lozardo in it. If you guys know who Robert Lozardo is, also also known in every movie as a shaved head, goatee, tattooed bad guy. Oh Jesus! <laughs> sounds like we just need to do uh, just add to the list the remakes of these two movies as another show. Oh, there we go. We'll record it. Death Race. Today. Yeah, Death Race and uh, Rollerball again. It's a good idea. Yep.
Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, so we only got one email this week, unless uh, Eric sent us a voicemail that's in the spam folder, uh, which it is not. So either good for you, Eric, or uh, you just haven't sent it yet. It'll end up there anyway. Uh, so friend of the show, Brian, with an I, uh, sent us an email, and he says, uh, hey guys, Brian with an I here, uh, I'll try to keep it short this week, uh, he says it just has a movie recommendation, and I s- highly suggest you watch it now, well, we're in the re- middle of recording, so maybe we'll watch it later. Well, let's hear him out. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't that interesting, I could watch a movie and finish this at the same time. Uh, he recommends Turbo Kid. Says it's been in my Netflix queue for some time, and I finally got around to it. And I've got to say, it's quite a treat. Take one part Mad Max, one part Mega Man, add a dash of one of those BMX bike movies from the '80s, and a pinch of Conan the Barbarian. Uh, top it all off Jesus. with the. Yeah, I know that's a lot of shit. <laughs> top it all, top it all with a glaze of amazingly over-the-top practical gore, and finish it with Michael Ironside chewing the shit out of the scenery. And you got a fucking awesome 80s throwback complete with a great synth score that reminded me of something out of a Michael Mann film. Oh. I'm thinking Manhunter is what he said. Uh, I know video games generally suck, but I've always felt that in the right hands, a Mega Man movie could work and actually be fun. Well, this is the closest I'm getting for now, and I'm okay with that. Um, and it, if you wanted to, it would be absolutely perfect to pair up with Hobo with a Shotgun. It's got the nice. same vibe, and it's filmed in Canada, too. So it's tailor-made for Doug. Does it have any of the Trailer Park Boys in it? Because Hobo with a Shotgun Man just got <laughs> Trailer Park Boy in it. You know what else it's got in it? How? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. That, uh, that fills Noah's boxes up. Howard? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, Doug, what the fuck do you guys put your water up there? Every time I watch a movie, I always go on IMDb just to see the actors and trivia, etc. One of the one cute girl in this flick is cute and obviously Canadian, and it got me thinking that so many of the most beautiful actresses in Hollywood are Canadian: Rachel McAdams, Phoebe Smolders, Natasha Hentridge, Sarah Chalk, and so on. Uh, there's a lot, and every one of them are gorgeous. Just saying, good job, Doug. All right. Congratulations, Doug. For the record, I didn't do it. Not all of those girls are like my children or anything. You have seeded the genome of Canada. Uh, All right. Take care, guys. Oh, and Noah, what a guy like me got to do to get off your mortal enemy list? Uh, You did just recommend a Rugger Hour movie, so (laughs) hey, you're close. Three more Rugger Hour movies. You're good. Uh, yeah, uh, Turbo Kid's been in my Netflix queue forever, and I want to watch it, but I just haven't had a chance to. Yeah, it's one that I meant to watch a long time ago and kind of forgot about. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get to it. And I 
tried so hard to get a last horror cast episode dedicated to Hobo with a Shotgun, and you guys wouldn't do it. So maybe we all finally get to do it. What are you saying? You guys wouldn't do it. I'm all about Hobo with a Shotgun. Well, maybe it was Scott blocking it. It's another Probably Scott kicked him off the show. <laughs> I don't want to watch Hobo with a Shotgun. Well, well, this show's over then. No funny thing is, I think I went to watch Turbo Kid and ended up watching Punk Fury a second time. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna watch <laughs> Turbo Kid, and I was like, Oh shit! Happens to the best of us. <laughs> to be fair, Black Dynamite was was that for me for a long time. Yeah. Like, well, I could I could do this, or I could watch Black Dynamite again. Yeah, Black Dynamite. I don't know what you jive turkeys they're talking about but i have to get back to the hood where i am from (laughs) all right anybody else watch anything this week no you want to go ahead uh i watched very little Uh, me too i'm I'm trying to think like what did i want all right doug why don't you go all right. <laughs> um, well, the obligatory movie I watched, we had a Friday the 13th between the last time we recorded and now. Mm-hmm. So you guys are probably all wondering which which movie I watched. Was it? And, uh, I went with Jason X this time, mostly oh. as a time saver, because if you start that late in the series, then if you end up watching the rest of the series, you don't. <laughs> it doesn't take up your whole week. <laughs> and. I don't know. The movie's still awesome. I'm sure I've ranted about it somewhere in the past. If anybody wants to hear my thoughts, it's it's just fantastic in every way. I yeah, mean, I saw it at the theater and I was super happy with it. And then I heard people complaining about it, and I'm just like, you, I, you don't. I don't think you get it. Like they know, they did it on purpose. It's like people think that the movie believed itself to be dead serious. And it's yeah. like, but the movie clearly does not. And that's evident through every aspect of the movie. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't understand how people have a problem with it. I mean, I guess I can understand people who just don't like that type of movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. and it's, it's really true to the spirit of the Friday the 13th series. I mean, not so much the first half of the series, but the second half. Um, Kind of as soon as Zombie Jason shows up, this is exactly the type of movie that they were headed towards, and they they just finally got there. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad when I watch it that that's the last appearance of Kane Hodder as Jason, because I think he should have been allowed to come back forever. It makes me sad that they rebooted the series, because even though I didn't mind the reboot, I just don't know why they didn't just keep making movies. Yeah, yeah, it's not a series that you really needed to. Uh worry about the strict continuity you couldn't no. just randomly make a new one well not only that but they had like they had a, a gap between so if you're looking at the movies chronologically freddy versus jason ends and then we the, were given the date and i used to know the dates off the top of my head i don't right now but there's like a 10-year gap or something you could just make however many jason movies that are all like time pieces of those various years and you could have some fun with editing and Music from you know 2004 into those movies and stuff. Yeah, that that'd be fun to do, but they chose not to do it. And then they chose not to uh, sequel to the reboot. Is a, uh, 
six year gap because I believe Freddy vs. Jason was 2003, which I only know because Jason Goes to Hell came out in 93. So there was like that 10 year, like, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. But then it took them 10 years to do it. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. I just don't remember the date given in Jason X as to what year Jason was arrested. Oh, I got it. I see what and you're then executed about like 10 yeah. times, right? I got you. So. I got you. You're talking about the continuity between, yeah. Gotcha. All right. I think so between the Freddy vs. Jason and the remake that they could have done, like, you know. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that, that as well. Yeah. And I don't know. They could uh, go all Halloween on us and start going back to making movies that are part of the original <laughs> timeline oh or whatever. God. It's so confusing anymore. God, no one knows. <laughs> it's time to give up. I got another one of those coming up. So, <laughs> uh, The other thing I rewatched this week was Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Oh, yeah? I had a nine-year-old in my house stuck here due to the ice storm that we all experienced. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, what do, what do you do when you have a nine-year-old here for longer than you were planning to have a nine-year-old here? You find something to do. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I'm sure, again, this is movie's been talked to death. I do think if you haven't seen it in a while or you have don't have the fondest memories of it because you probably are still mad about the third one, Like I really like that first Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And it's... I understand why people like Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I understand that technically... Tom Holland is better casting, but it's kind of nice to watch just a quaint superhero movie that doesn't really have consequences that reverberate throughout an entire series of films, and it's just I don't know, smaller and just yeah. more limited in scope, more about more more get to spend more time with a few characters, and just a little bit more lighthearted and fun. So I, I really enjoyed watching it. Hoping that kid comes back over another weekend, I can watch the sequels. So. <laughs> Even the third one. So. Even the third one. Yeah, what'll turn- ha- what'll happen is I'll watch the second one. I'll be like, these are really good, and then I'll watch the third one and be mildly disappointed. <laughs> I don't I don't hate the third one as much as other people do, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a good movie either. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. That's just uh, yeah. Uh, you know, let's not get into it. <laughs> I do have a I do have a theory about how, how Tobey Maguire got cast as Spider-Man, though, and I really just think it's because if you look at him in this movie, he does kind of look like a young Raimi brother. Like he looks like Ted and Sam Raimi, <laughs> and I'm like, they can't argue with that. Did they just cast a guy that looks like the director, so the director can feel like he's Spider-Man? I think that might be what happened here. <laughs> I don't. I never picked up on it before. Yeah, and then they felt perfectly fine torturing the shit out of him on set. So, well, Sam Raimi has no problem torturing his actors on set. It doesn't <laughs> matter who they are. I don't care how much you look like me. So, awesome. I don't know. Uh, last thing I watched was the movie Leatherface from 2017. Uh. Uh, which I totally forgot existed until Netflix was like, hey, watch this, watch this, watch this. And I'm like, fine, I'll watch it. Um, so for people who don't know, it is a... Supposedly it's a prequel to the original film. 
Yeah. And it's, so it's set in the 50s, and it's about Leatherface's life as a child. He's taken from the family, thrown into a, an, an asylum uh, where he's given a new name, and then sometime in the future there's a breakout, and a lot of the movie is about this group of uh, escaped criminal mental patients being hunted by the cops and then Leatherface um, so like first of all the atmosphere of this movie feels much more like it's a prequel to the remake than a prequel to the original film mm-hmm. which is weird because there's already a prequel to the remake yeah, <laughs> um, if we want to talk about fucked up timelines for movie franchises yeah, yeah, yeah. Chainsaw is like the worst it's it's atrocious. I mean, this is set in I think fifty five or something is mm-hmm. where the main part of the story takes place. So it does work in that sense of being a prequel. Um, it doesn't work as a period piece because nobody talks like it's nineteen fifty five in this movie. They all talk like it's you know twenty seventeen, and you're in a movie. Um, just it's a problem, but you can forgive that much just because hey, it's a movie. Um, what I can't forgive is that so they do the thing where none of the characters are using the real names because part of their rehabilitation in the asylum is they have reassigned identities which doesn't sound particularly realistic mm-hmm. but then like I'm just going to spoil this movie so I hope that's not offensive to anyone but nah, I, I have no I, interest in it it's literally <clears throat> They go so far out of their way to make you think this one character is going to grow up to be Leatherface, and then that's not the guy that does. See, that's what I wondered. If they were trying to play like a switcheroo, like, you don't know which one's going to be Leatherface, because we all change their names. Yeah, they they do that. And the problem with it is, first of all, it's a complete cheat, because it's like, like, okay, so Leatherface, we all know what Gunnar Hansen looked like in 1974. Big, like, fat guy wearing, like, a human skin face and all that, right? Mm. But, like, they have a big fat guy who doesn't talk, and that's not the guy that grows up to be Leatherface. <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense, right? And, but even worse than that, the guy that does is, like, the heroic character throughout the movie. Mm. And then, like, very little, like, so while they're on the run, got real criminal guy and his girlfriend who broke out of the asylum got these other two kids who were kind of like just seem like I don't know the one like the guy that ends up being Leatherface I don't even know why he's in the asylum he doesn't seem that abnormal and then you've got this other kid who just seems like they didn't know what autism one of them was in the 50s so they put him in with everybody else and they've kidnapped a nurse she's alone right? so that's your main group of people and they're being pursued by police and we come to learn that some of the police officers really don't feel like there's any point trying to save these kids and are willing to shoot to kill. So that's why you have your hero character has to kind of save some of the other ones and stuff. But I forget what the point is making. The, the point, <laughs> like the point, the point here is like there's a story there where you'd have to have something happen to this guy to make him go from being heroic to being this monster. Nothing really does, like very little does. And it's almost comic booky, like the Joker's idea of like if you have one really bad day, you'll go horrible. But I don't know, it doesn't work in a movie. 
It's yeah, and it's frustrating, and it's obvious that they just thought what they were trying to do was pull the old like switch on us and try to be cleverer than us, and it ends up being just dumb. So, like, I think this movie would be a lot better if it wasn't Leatherface movie. If it was just a movie about these kids in this asylum, a riot happens, some of them end up out of there, and you've got this, like, air quotes, bad guy police officer who's now chasing them, even though theoretically they're the bad guys, but he's the one that's willing to kill these mental patients. Like, there's a movie there that could work, and there's enough this movie shot well enough and the gore works really well in this movie and stuff like that. Like you could make this movie into that, but it, it almost feels like they shoehorned in the Leatherface stuff to make it part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series or a standalone film that wants to be related to the series or related back to the original series, but not the remake series or whatever they've done. Yeah. So they kind of like, I don't know for a fact that they, had a script and then edited Leatherface into it, but that's what it feels like. And I think they ruined a potentially good movie by doing that. Well, that sucks. So, I, I don't know. I, I was pretty disappointed. I hate it more when I talk to people about it than I did when I was watching <laughs> it. Because, again, like some of the gore is fun to watch, and there's some like pretty disgusting scenes. There's one scene where being chased by dogs so they have to hide under the corpse of a cow and then eventually like see them climb out from that corpse and they're all covered in cow guts and given that they're like mental patients of varying degrees of intelligence there's like the one guy doesn't seem bothered by it but the nurse who's just a normal human being she's like completely freaked out and so that's fun to watch if you're a horror movie fan but again you you could have just gotten rid of the, the Leatherface stuff and added one more fight scene between them and this evil cop, and then you'd have something closer to like the Devil's Rejects as your movie. Yeah, pretty much at this point, if the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes up, I just completely check out of anything new. And I, I thought I was at that point, but then, <laughs> I don't know, Netflix said to watch it, so I did. What do you want me to say? Netflix told me to. Because the yeah. last the last movie I remember was like a couple of years ago, and that one was about like the daughter of the family in the future. Yeah. And I learned that the daughter is she was alive at the time of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in '74, but was twenty something in the year 2013, and that was enough to send me over the edge of just like I'm not going to watch that movie. <laughs> and like I later heard like an interview with the writer, and he told me that told me he told the podcast that i was listening to that yeah when he wrote the script like they said they want the lead character to be like a 20 year old girl or have that and they wanted like it connected back to the original movie so he wrote a period piece that took place in like 1994 mm-hmm. specifically to accommodate that and then the producers were like well we're not so they just edited the movie into the modern times and never bothered to change the age of the character. It's and it's just like, uh, when you hear stuff like that, you're like, well, obviously nobody put any effort into this. Like, I'm not going to waste my time watching it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Because, I mean, okay, we had the first four movies, which were in continuity. Ish. Ish. First, first three were in continuity. Yeah, then the new generation was... 
it is yeah. what it is. It's awesome, but not in a great, <laughs> but not in a good way. So then, okay, then they had the remake, which you know, whatever. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I mean, it's a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so it can only be so good. And then you had a prequel to the remake, which I don't remember enjoying, but I haven't seen it in I don't know how long. I, see, I think I like that movie, but I haven't watched yeah. it in a while. So. And then they were like, well, we're going to go somewhere different. Now we're going to do a, a sequel to the original movie that starts right after the original movie ends. And then, like you said, jumps to present day, which but makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And now this one is we're doing a prequel to the original movie. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's it's Yeah. Halloween it's the Halloween stopped. franchise isn't gonna be much better here <laughs> come October. No, no, no. It's not. Uh, we should we might as well mention uh Arlie Ermy in the Oh yeah remake franchise. He was um, probably the thing I loved the most about the remake. He franchise. was really good in that. That's a guy that like joined acting later in life because I think Full Metal Jacket was like his first movie. And he, I don't know how old he was in his forties or fifties, mm. and he just like he left a huge impact in a relatively short period of time. He's in a lot of really good stuff, and he really throws himself into every role he's in, no matter how like because like. The story is that that basically is him in Full Metal Jacket, that he was a real drill sergeant, and that's how he behaved. Then when you turn around and see how much he's willing to mock himself in comedies or go full horror for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're like, God damn, like, that doesn't seem like something that guy would do. Yeah. Him, him as the coach at Saving Silverman's pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from what I read, like he was supposed to be a consultant, like a military consultant. But then when he was going over the stuff with the actor, the director was just like, oh, he's better than the actor. How about you just do it? And he's like, okay. And that's pretty much like it went from there. And that's how John Q. Smith lost his only shot at being an actor. <laughs> yeah. It's a great story from one perspective. And not so much from the other perspective. <laughs> yeah. And it also it got me into a lot of trouble in high school because when people were talking and I got bored, I would just yell, bullshit, I can't hear you, right in their faces. <laughs> that's that's frowned upon. Yeah, usually, especially... Uh... Especially if it's a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was fun in the moment. You're funny. I like you. I'll let you come over to my house and fuck my sister. <laughs> uh, I've had the ever since the day that uh, his death was announced. I was looking online and I have the image saved or the meme, and it's just his face, and it says, "You're so ugly, you could be a modern art masterpiece." And I just keep trying to decide which of my Facebook friends is going to get that posted on their wall <laughs> randomly. <laughs> and it's too stressful for me. I can't pick one. And I saw someone who took the picture of him from the Frighteners pretty much as that character, but as a ghost, and said current picture of Arlie Ermey. Oh, it's actually kind of nice. Which is sad, but I think Arlie Ermey would find that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice little tribute. Yeah. 
I think. I don't know. Some people might not view it that way. Like I said, I thought it was funny, and I think he would think it was funny, too, because he obviously had a very good sense of humor about himself. Yeah. <sighs> That's a bummer. Every time I would see Arlie Ermey in something, like I saw his name pop up in something, I would immediately become more interested. I was like, oh, this is probably going to be fantastic. So, If nothing else, there's going to be one strong performance in it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's been a rough week. Uh, we just lost, what was it, Bruno San Martino the other day? Yeah. Which is a bummer. And then we lost someone else big. Who was it? Oh, uh, Milos Forman. Oh, yeah. Harry Anderson died. Uh, adult Richie Trozer from uh, the It movies for genre fans. Um, and then, uh, yeah, director Milos Forman, who directed one of my favorite movies, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. It's a shitty week. Yeah, it was, it was a lot this week for some yeah. reason. Ah. <sighs> Well, Noah, did you did you figure out what you watched so you could cheer I us up? Uh, I I watched uh, King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters. Oh, okay. Which which was a rewatch. I've seen it a few times, but this time was basically just to celebrate Billy fucking Mitchell getting his comeuppance. <laughs> because man, does that movie have a good ending now? Yeah. Because the old. They should almost do a special edition with the new, with the new little. Uh, in new little end segment, they should. I don't. I don't know if he deserved having his uh, Pac-Man title pulled from him because I think that one was pretty verified. <laughs> but if you're going to be a cheater piece of shit, that's that's what happens. So, <laughs> yeah. Are you are you aware of the scandal, Doug? Yeah, I know of it. I'm not not up to date with all the details but people seemed very excited when they came out this guy must be a dick in that documentary i've never seen it but he must be a real dick because when (laughs) people were very happy when he had his title stripped the other day the fact the fact that he is an insufferable cock just exacerbates things but basically uh the the entire documentary of king kong has to do with him and a dude named steve weeby kind of uh duking it out to be the first person to break a million points on Donkey Kong. And pretty much ever since it happened, there's been a whole bunch of evidence that he cheated. And that what he did was either done on an emulator or or just like uh, the, he it's kind of hard to explain. Like displays together pieces and, and all, all sorts of bad things. But in pop culture, he's been made up so much. The entire uh, South Park episode about the biggest turd with Bono. Bono is a, Bono is literally a stand-in for uh, Billy Mitchell. The entire fucking that's the entire scandal of him popping up and going, "Nope, I beat the record first. <laughs> oh, Noah's venom is coming out. Oh, man. Well, it's just because there was so much evidence. There was so much evidence of him cheating. And it took 10 years and somebody suing the gaming commission (laughs) to get them to finally fucking investigate it. And so not only did their investigation come up and say that he was cheating, there were also three other independent investigations done. uh, Two of them by watchdog organizations. 
they both came out and said he cheated. And then fucking Billy Mitchell hired a private investigator to do his own investigation, and that guy said he cheated. <laughs> uh, it is uh, pretty apropos. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, fuck him right in his hot sauce selling face. <laughs> Uh, did you watch anything else? Uh, I started watching uh, Lost in Space. Oh, yeah. Is it any good? It's all right. It's not It's not exactly what I wanted, but it's good. I wish... It's one of those things. If they had not called the family the Robinsons and just called it something else, it would just be a good sci-fi show. Mm. But I think... If you're going to call it Lost in Space, there are certain, like, genre expectations that they made no attempt to fall into. Which is bad. Oh. Better that they made no attempt than that they did it and failed, so. Yeah, I just, I feel like not, not only is it, like, not humorous, or, you know, the, and the old one was funny in the kind of hokey, old, you know, Star trek space adventure way that they all were. But there's just no, it's the driest. There is no fucking humor in the show whatsoever. So by the old one, do you mean the one with Joey from Friends? Is, is that Joey? In the remake? Oh, the, 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 no, the, movie? the film version was the, the guy from Friends and the girl from Party of Five. Uh, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. At least the, the remake like attempted to balance it a little bit and throw in humor here and there and make it like over the top. This one's just a super serious ass uh, sci-fi TV show, and the fact that it's not just their family lost in space, but there's like a whole like cadre of survivors makes it fucking it's weird it's more like a remake of earth 2 than a remake of lost in space jesus but like i said it's good i just don't understand why they tried to ham fist it into being lost in space if there wasn't a fucking robot that said danger will robinson occasionally it would have nothing to do with it Mm-hmm. Oh. Interesting. I don't have any like emotional connection with the original series or anything, so um, kind of interested in checking out the new one, though. Like I said, it's good. That's a, that's the weird thing. At the end of the day, I've got I've got my gripes about them uh, uh, label surfing, <laughs> you know, where they just they're like, we're gonna slap this big name on here and that write it to fame. I don't like that. That fucking voice is shit out of me. Especially because it could have stood on its own. I, I find if it ends up being good, that'll become a lot more forgivable than if it ends up not being good. So Netflix told, told me to watch it, so odds are I'll have thoughts on it eventually. <laughs> it's it's good. The uh the the like the very first episode, the the major piece of drama that occurs where uh, I'm not going to give it away because 
fairly new, so it's probably spoilery, but somebody basically gets trapped in a very claustrophobic situation, and it's it's pretty bad. You're like, oh my god, what a fucking horrible thing to have happen to you. Hmm. That's good. Well, you've sparked my interest, so I may end up watching it sooner than I was originally planning to. And I think really that's it. I don't think I sat down and watched anything. I've been busy as shit this week. Um, I only watched one thing. And it was uh, I watched the William Friedkin movie Sorcerer, uh, which is apparently the movie he did uh, right after The Exorcist, if I remember correctly. Um, so. Essentially what happens is there's uh, four different sort of uh, main characters. And we get sort of uh, stories about them to open the movie. And like uh, Roy Scheider is a gangster from Brooklyn. He helps these guys rob a church. Uh, The priest of the church gets shot before they left. And then it turns out that, of course, that priest was the brother of, like, the biggest gangster in New York City. So it's advised that he uh, sort of disappear. So he does the old thing where, you know, you pay this guy a bunch of money and then you disappear. It's like, well, where do you go? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's that's, that's why this is a uh, sort of a thing that you can do. Escape everybody. Uh, cut to, like... I want to say it was like Jerusalem or something. And then it shows uh, these brothers like blowing up a church or something. I don't know. Um, and so, of course, all the all the people that were working on it get either arrested or shot by the police, except for one guy. So he also takes this disappear route. And then there's a guy in Paris who owns a company that apparently has borrowed a shit ton of money and is about to get investigated by the government. And it's pretty, pretty, pretty much he's going to end up going to jail for a long time. So he also takes the, I'm going to disappear route. And apparently when you disappear, you end up in this town in South America where you are uh, just really poor and just hang out at the bar and drink all day. So apparently there's like an American company down there mining what I'm assuming is like natural gas and there's a big accident and the sort of rig uh, is uh, pretty much an eternal flame like it's just shooting a giant like mushroom cloud of fire out of the ground 24-7 after this accident. So they need to find a way to sort of... uh, guessing sort of implode this drill site so that it would cap it off and I I assume smother the flames and it would just stop everything but the only source of uh, dynamite has been sitting forever and not turned so of course the dynamite is very unstable Uh, the nitroglycerin is like sweating out of it and it's like 250 miles away from the mining site so they offer people at this town that all these guys are at 
the chance to become truck drivers and drive this very unstable nitroglycerin dynamite 250 miles to this site. Um, so, of course, the the people that we saw the uh, preludes to are the ones who end up getting picked. They all have to team up to drive this very unstable nitroglycerin across a very uh, rocky and uh, unforgiving jungle setting to uh, get it to where it needs to be. And, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. Um, really good movie. I'd never seen it before. Uh, it's probably one of the most tense movies I've seen in a long time. Because the whole thing is you can't, like, jostle these boxes of dynamite too much or they will just explode. And a whole bo- box of dynamite could pretty much just turn you and the truck you're in into just absolutely nothing so there's a lot of tension of course because it's this type of movie they have to drive over this like rickety rope bridge at one point and it's one of the most like nerve wracking scenes I've seen in a long time and it's just all the crazy shit they end up uh, running into or whatever so first time I'd seen it I really enjoyed it if you get a chance I recommend for me, especially if you want, if you want to be tense for like an hour and a half, two hours, because yeah, this is definitely the movie for it. You'll just be concerned with every, every small little bump these trucks take on the way. So, have either one of you ever seen this movie? No, I'm not. I don't think I've even heard of it. Yeah. Now I kind of want to see it. It's good. It's definitely, I mean, it's, it's, you know, was made in the 70s. It's definitely that, like, 70s film sort of aesthetic from that time. Yeah. And like I said, it's just tense as shit. I love that type of movie, so. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it takes a little while to get going because they got to set everything up. But when they do, yeah, you just spend the entire time just like, holy shit, please don't, you know, explode and die. So. Uh, yeah, worth a watch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah, we let you pick the next uh, movie. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be doing next week? Uh, so we are going to do the, in, in honor of uh, the newest comic book movie coming out. You guys may have heard of it. Uh, what movie is that? Two, eventually. But before that, Infinity War. What is this Infinity War you speak of? I have no idea. I've never heard of such it's thing. It's only been building up for like 10 years. <laughs> it is that sweet, sweet comic book nerdy orgasm of filmmaking. <laughs> uh, but in honor of that, we're going to do the 1970s made-for-TV Doctor Strange movie, which neither of you guys have seen, right? No. And we're going to do the Full Moon movie, Dr. Mordred, which was actually them attempting to make a Dr. Strange movie and not getting the rights correctly, so they just made their own shit. It does sound like something they would do. That's exactly what happened. So, sorcery goodness. Nice. Yeah. Could prove interesting. Also, the... Just just for a little uh, enticement, 
to really get you guys' engines going. The bad guy in the Doctor Strange movie, uh, play, playing Morgan Le Fay, is uh, Mallory Archer. <laughs> I don't know who that is. You always say names of people and wait for us to go, really? From, but we never know oh, who it is. From the show Archer, his mom, Mallory Archer. That, oh, that, okay. I was yeah. anticipating that being can't the, tell me you the haven't watched of... Archer. That would be fucking weird. I don't watch Archer. What in the fuck, Brian? I know. I know. Uh, look, I have this issue where I can't watch something unless I watch it from the very beginning. And we are so far in now that I feel like it's just a daunting task to go back and, re- and watch all of Archer. It's really not. That That is a breeze of a watch. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because I was a fan of uh, Frisky Dingo. But just never watched Archer. Yeah, apparently that's my shame. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because I'm just like, I've seen some of Archer, but not all of it. Is that acceptable? Do I get yelled at by Noah too? No, you're okay. If you watch if you watch some of it and then you lose interest, you can walk away. But if you haven't like watched the first season, that's madness. And for me, it wasn't so much losing interest as it was just there's a lot of shit out there to watch. And every time you turn on Netflix, it tells me to watch new shit. <laughs> like if every time I turn on Netflix, it's going to give me two new movies. I don't have time to watch two movies every time I turn it on. So I mean, quite the, painted into quite the corner. <laughs> it's like, look, Netflix ru- rules my life. I got to do what Netflix tells me. It does. Like a while back, we got like cable and stuff again, and then because we hadn't had it for a while. And my girlfriend's like, well, should we be keeping it? And I'm like, I don't fucking know what's on it because every time I try to turn on cable, Netflix gets in the way. And I, they put more stuff on Netflix than I have time to watch. So, <laughs> Yeah. We have, we have pretty much like a really big cable package and we watch all kinds of shit. But then that causes problems where you end up getting like, well, I ain't got time to watch this this week because we're watching this. And now I have like eight episodes of uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow to watch because I got yeah. so far behind. Well, and that's the thing is if... Just, uh, another thing I watched this week that I didn't bring up was uh, the Walking Dead series finale. And that was a show season, that... Like, season finale. Season finale, sorry. I, I thought we were a British podcast for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I felt way behind on that show, and not for any reason other than just like there was one episode that wasn't that good, and something else we were watching was good, and so it was just like that's it. Once that happens, it's just like you're, you can lose track of a show for months, mm-hmm. and like I, I have stuff that like I PPR months ago. That is just sitting there, and it's like, should I just delete that? Am I ever going to get to it? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. As has been talked about on the show, of course, me and Amanda are, I only have two episodes of the third season of Fargo left, and we just laugh because there's commercials in the commercial breaks that we fast forward. It tells us that we really should go see Wonder Woman in theaters when it comes out, <laughs> and we're just like, man, we. That's funny. We, Totally fell behind on this show. So, eh, I get it. Then you have Noah that just watches my 
Shutter account. Enjoys himself all week. Ah, good times. <laughs> oh, this is, this is the, the update from last week's show. Is Hoopla is available in Canada. Well, there you go. So I will be getting that. It turns out my library card is expired. So, because I haven't used it in, I don't know, 15 years. So I will have to go... I think I have to physically go into a library to get that fixed, so it could take a while. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine works oh. at a local library, but it's not my local library. Oh, really? So I keep telling her, like, can you just, like, can you just give me a library card? Like, can you just. And she's like, well, yeah, but I'm not. You don't live in my in my district, so yeah. it's not that easy. And I'm just like, but it's the library. Like, it should be that easy. There's a, because I, like, where we live, one of the subdivisions is part of the next town over, and it happens to have a pool there, and so you can go over there and go swimming for two bucks or whatever. And so we go there sometimes, and uh, there's a library attached, but I I come out of the pool, and I'm, if I've got time to kill, I'll wander the library, but I can't get anything, because you have to pay, like, a fee to get a membership there, because I'm technically from a different area and it's like well that's annoying it's like the second closest library to my house <laughs> but I'm not allowed to use it <laughs> no like you can use it it's like $48 a year and I'm like oh, I'm not gonna pay for a library card yeah it's just supposed to be free yeah, I could go over to the one that is like you know walking distance from my house and it would be free but who has time to go there please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.